couple minutes this morning. So if you got your Bibles, just turn to Ephesians. I want to, we're going back to Ephesians. It's been about, uh, I don't know, like eight weeks since we uh, left off there. So this morning, I want to try and catch us up to speed on where we were and uh, uh, get us kind of prepped for where we're going in that. Um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we took a break from studying the book of Ephesians. Sometimes we study like a verse. Sometimes we study a chapter. Sometimes we're going to take on a whole book. We're not doing the whole thing today. If you're visiting, you're like, this is going to be like a 17-hour service. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get you out of here on time. But um, the, uh, this, this, we stopped it after a while just to make sure that, that we were doing this the right way. Because, you know, over the last uh, eight weeks, we've been talking about heart or six weeks, whatever, about heart. That uh, your heart and what's going on in here, It matters. It's not just about what you're doing and not doing. So often we look at what we're doing in life. Are we doing good or doing bad? It does, that doesn't matter so much to God. What matters is where it's coming from. Because you can do good things that are not heart motivated. You can sing songs, and we've learned that, where you can sing the words, but your heart's not there. And God says that, you know, your lips praise me, but your heart's far from me. I don't care about the song. I want you. I don't care about what you're doing, how you're serving, and stuff. I want you. Don't get lost in doing church and doing the routine without, and, and lose him. He's the treasure. He's the reason why. I, I, love, I love the kids um, here this morning. This idea of, you know, I can just be the church, be myself. I can be a kid and, and just, you know, have fun in church. Uh, I love that. Uh, some of you are like, what's going on? You know, we need, Jesus never put an adult in front of kids and said, hey, kids, be more like this person. What do you do? He put kids in front of adults and said, hey, you guys be more like them. Just be real. Just be you. This morning. I'm not saying go run up and down here. Adults, that would look goofy. But be, you know, be you. Just, it's okay to be you this morning. Uh, and I, Pete, right on, this idea of identity. Uh, you know why this guy is able to pray for somebody? It's because he knows what's true. Um, you can't, uh, I, I want you to have open ears to what God wants to say to you this morning through his word. Not through like what somebody thinks his word says or what it might say or what we hope it says. What does it say? Because in that word of God, faith is wrapped up in there. So if you can take the actual word of God and just allow that to go into your heart, faith will happen. You'll begin to believe what, what he says. Uh, a lot of times you want to believe that, oh God, because you did it for someone, so you'll, you know, maybe you'll do that for me. Not faith. Faith is this idea of, I just look at God's word, and I believe it to be true. As we were reading through Ephesians and going through it, I saw this amazing, this amazing concept that Paul is talking to this church about, about identity, knowing who you are. And as we were studying, I was realizing, wow, we're getting through this. We're through chapter one. And I looked, I thought, you know what? I don't think we're getting it. I don't think we're really getting what he's saying. So we stopped and said, let's start talking about sowing this word into our hearts. Let's not just go through the book and say, hey, we did Ephesians, good for us. We did Galatians and Ephesians now, woohoo. Uh, it's this idea of let that word just get right into your heart and change you. Otherwise, we miss out on why this was all written. Um, Paul wrote uh, the book of Ephesians. Uh, it, it's not actually written to the church in Ephesus. It was written to all of the believers in that area. So this letter probably would have gone to a whole bunch of churches, which means that it's, if it was good for followers of Jesus then, it's good for followers of Jesus today. So is there any followers of Jesus here today? Yeah, okay. So he's talking to you today. It's written to them, but it's written for us uh, as well. And uh, it's one long letter that got broken up into chapters and verses for our benefit. But sometimes we look at, oh, we did chapter one and that's back there. Now we're on a chapter two. Those things are tied together so tightly. So where we ended up was in Ephesians chapter two, verses uh, eight to 10. So if you got your Bible, go there. I know, sorry, that's probably not the first verse you have on your page um, for media, but Ephesians chapter two, verses eight to 10. 
Um, Paul said this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Actually, I'm going to read it in the New King James. It says, um, oh no, I'm not. Um, I'll just quote it. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. He's saying it's, it was by grace and through faith. Two things happening. God's grace, your faith, that he gave you, but it's still this, this working together. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. This thing was a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then it says that we are his workmanship. We're his poem. We're his masterpiece that he's created in Christ um, before for good works, uh, or right here, so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. He's created you for a purpose and for a reason. He's created you for a life that was designed for, for us to live, and yet so many people are missing out on that. And Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to say, I want to remind you what this thing is all about. Um, because, you know, in chapter 1, it's talking about this whole idea of being in Christ. This, this whole idea of you used to be in sin, you used to be this category of in sin and, and, and in death, but now it says you're in Christ, you're in life. I'm taking you out of that and I'm putting you in something else. And he says, why is it so important that you know this? Because Paul knew back then and today it's the same thing. We got a, we got a huge problem around us. It's an, it's an identity problem. People have no idea who they really are. Uh, I told the story before. My uncle had a, uh, he had some chickens and he had ducks and the duck laid some eggs but wouldn't sit on the nest. So he put the duck eggs underneath the chicken and uh, it, it hatched one duckling, uh, but it also hatched a bunch of chicks. So this duck uh, would walk around with these chicks following it and this duckling uh, following it. And, and this duck would do everything that the chicks did. They would scratch the dirt with its webbed foot, didn't, you know, not really effective, pecking the ground with its, you know, its round bill and uh, it was terrified of water. You know, we try and throw them all in the water, and that duck would fly out and run, just scurry underneath the, the, the mother hen, and it would freak out. You know, when the, duck, when the duckling got thrown in the water, the mother hen would freak out. This thing, you know, just grew up thinking that it's a chicken, but it's not. It, it was a duck, and yet everything that, that it had to be a duck and to live and swim in the water, it, it wasn't using any of that because it thought it was a chicken. There's some believers that have the same thing. Everything that God's put in you, you don't even live it out because you think you're something else. You don't realize the value you have. You don't realize the power you have. You don't realize who you are in Christ because you're believing something else. It's why we talked about heart because what you believe inside matters. That's what matters. You live your life out of what you believe here. It's nothing to do with what I tell you. It's nothing to do with the word of God tells you from the outside. So like when somebody's preaching and says, hey, you know what? This is what the word of God says about you. If it doesn't come in here, it's not going to change your life at all. We told the story about the elephant. You know how they have those elephants with a chain around their leg and it's just tied to a little stake and those elephants don't move. Why? Do they not have the power to move? No, but inside they believe that they don't. So they'll stand there with their leg tied to a little chain when all of the power that they have could rip that thing out of the ground and they would be free. Some of you, it's the same thing. You've got the power of God living on the inside of you. You're like, oh, I don't feel like it. Paul is saying, listen, I want to tell you who you are. This morning, I can do my best to tell you who you are. But if you don't say, you know what, God, I'm going to just start reading this to get it for me. Some, some um, have said too, you know, I'm going through this. Mark, send me a verse. I need to know what to do. The Bible's not like a book of spells where you're just like, oh, I'm going through. I need healing. Where's the, you know... Harry Potter's healing for Hogwarts and, oh, and Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, you know, uh, I'm the God who heals you. Okay, that's someone I'm going to like, I'll try everything. He's just saying, just get the word in your heart. Allow it to be in there and it'll grow. And it's going to bear fruit in your life. When you pick that fruit, it's going to change your life. Uh, the thing for you today is to sow, to just put it in your heart, to put it, um, 
His word in your heart, because what you sow there matters. You're valuable. And Paul said this through, um, through uh, the first chapter of Ephesians. He said, here's who you already are. He says things like this, you're already accepted. So if you're here this morning and you're trying to do stuff so God will accept you or the church will accept you, you don't believe what the word says. You don't know it here yet. Because you're still on the outside thinking that I'm not accepted. I've got to do or, or say or be this so that they'll accept me. Guess what? You're accepted because he accepts you. Guess, you're also forgiven. This morning, maybe you're sitting here, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you said, Jesus, I want you to have my life. I receive your forgiveness and new life. You're already forgiven. Yeah, Mark, but I cussed my wife out on the way here this morning. We're smiling right now, but she knows, you know, and so does he. Yep, there they are. I see. <laughs> you just always know those couples. They just give themselves away. Um, you're forgiven already. You're already forgiven. It's, it's this idea of, oh, God. I'm going to, I'll do better. I'll promise. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll never do that again. You know, or whatever, whatever deals you make, you know, you don't believe what the word just says is true. You're already forgiven. You're already accepted. You're already loved. You are already blessed with every spiritual blessing. You already have the healing you need. You already have all of that stuff in Christ. You already have the inheritance uh, of heaven and eternal life there, but the actual chance to live life uh, for real here. You've been adopted as his kid. There's like, you know what? Like if somebody's going to attack my kid, believe me, I'm coming for them. You know, your little kid beats up my kid downstairs, look out, you know. Uh, uh, I'll be talking to you. But, but why? Because, because dad, there's something in him that's like, that's my child. Guess what? He feels the same way about you. Feels the same way about you. Like, oh, I don't know, I don't feel it. It's already done. The thing is that God's not going to do any more than he's already done. He's already sent his son to give his life on the cross. He already did that so that the moment you believed, you're saved. What happened? What did you do? Okay, we're going to do this again. He already sent his son to die on the cross so that the moment you believed, you would already be saved. What did you do? Well, nothing but one thing. Believed. You believed. It wasn't like as soon as you were like, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. All of a sudden, he jumped on the cross and died. He did it then so you could just simply believe it now. He paid for healing then so you could just simply believe it now. He gave you forgiveness then so that when you believe it, you get it now. He said that you are this incredible person in Christ then so that you can believe it now. He seated you in the heavenly places with authority over the enemy in your life then so that if you can just believe it, you'd see it now. Why does he say things like Mark chapter 16? These signs are going to follow those who what? Believe. Why? Don't, don't go trying to do signs and wonders. Just believe God and you'll see those things happen in your life. Believe. It matters. So matters this morning. So we talked about how salvation is not something that you could ever achieve. You can't earn it. It's the gift of God. It's the gift that he, um, that he gives to you. Do you realize this morning that these statements are both true? There's nothing that you can do this morning that can make God love you any more than he does right now. He absolutely loves you. You can't, you being here doesn't make him love you more. You didn't score brownie points because you're here and staying for the whole service. <laughs> One for coming, two for staying, you know. Three for putting something in the offering. He doesn't care. He, he loves you. But there's also nothing that you could do this morning, today, that's going to change and make him love you any less. See, the enemy loves that one. Absolutely loves it. You know, it's like his whole motive is TLC. The enemy's going to tempt you, then he's going to lie to you, and then he's going to condemn you. 
It's going to tempt you and say, you know what, that's going to look pretty good. You should do that. And you're like, okay, I'll try that, you know, and, and say whatever, do whatever. And then as soon as you do it, you know, there's this, this whole thing of you realize, well, that was a lie. And then he just pours on the conviction, condemnation. It, you know, it's, how do I say things? It's, it's like this, you, you know, your freedom, you're struggling with addiction. You're already free. You just have to believe it. Like, what? No, no, I got to do, I got to do. No, you don't. He died to set you free. If you're struggling with an addiction, you're already free. And as soon as you believe it, you'll live in it. It doesn't go the other way around. But the enemy would love for this. You know, if you're experiencing freedom and then all of a sudden you, you mess up once, you think, oh, it didn't take. I'm not free. Oh, you know what? I, I promised I was going to, you know, love my wife more. And, and then I was just a jerk. And I forgot Valentine's Day or whatever. And everything went wrong. You're like, oh, you, you know what? Satan will just throw the first punch in there and be like, yeah, you dirty, rotten person. And guess what we do? We start beating ourselves up like crazy after that. You're right, I'm dirty, I'm rotten. Oh, I'm a terrible person. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it wasn't good. How could God love me? Oh, I'm worthless. I don't even think I could go to church this week. Oh, I don't think I, you know, I'm such a terrible person. Tomorrow I'll do better. You don't understand that you're already free. The action didn't change your freedom. You know why? Because it wasn't what got you free in the first place. He did set you free and if you believe it you'll live in freedom so many christians who don't live in freedom that jesus paid for them so paul says you know what ephesian church and for you kingsway church he says i'm praying for you what does he pray he prays this you want to know what good prayers are here's one to pray first uh, 17 to 20 he says this pray that the god of our lord jesus christ man i'm talking to god there's nobody higher than this He's the Father of glory. I'm praying that he'll give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal Jesus to you, that you're going to know him, not just know the rules and whatever else. You're going to know him. You're going to know Jesus. It says that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know, that you would see, that you'd understand the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and, and what's the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who? Believe. See, it's not just I know the greatness of his power towards you. That doesn't help us if we don't believe. Believing is like, okay, God, I'm going to try and believe. It doesn't work that way. It's just simply just getting, Paul's saying, uh, allowing Holy Spirit to give you this revelation, this knowledge of what, what you see here is true. And as you sow the word in your life, it's like all of a sudden it begins to change because what comes, uh, what's in your heart is what's coming out of your heart. So it says this, what's the exceeding greatness of this power? toward us who believe. What kind of power is this? This is the power that worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. What bigger thing is there than that? Serious. That's the power that's working towards you if you believe. I want to encourage you to believe. I want to stir that in your heart this morning. Say, God, you know what? I'm going to believe you for more. I'm going to believe you. Today's the day that I believe you for more. It says that God would give to him and to you the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't just know rules and principles and how to, you know, act in church and what to do. So I just want you to know me. It's what the, why I did what I did. To know his calling, to know the riches of the inheritance, and to know, the, you know, the, the, the incredible power. He's praying that for you. That's what this, this whole idea of Ephesians is, that you would know who you are. Because guess what? They didn't know how amazing this gift of grace and life was, and many of us don't either. So he writes this book to say, I want you to know how amazing it is, the gift that you have, this idea of grace and salvation and new life, Here's what it looks like. I want to give you three pictures this morning of where you might be and where they were uh, to just say, okay, God, what do I think of this gift of grace? Number one is this. A lot of times we think we're saved from something. Our view of salvation is we've been saved from hell. Anybody see heaven's gates and hell's flames and be like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to hell. Jesus, please forgive me. They're like, oh, sweet, I'm forgiven. I'm not going to hell. You know what that looks like? We've got a picture here. Uh, do we have a picture here? We have a picture here. This 
the, the basket one. This, uh, this happened in May uh, of uh, 2012. A guy decided that he would try and jump over the edge of the, or, of the gorge. Um, and so he, he fell over the, the edge of the gorge in Niagara Falls, and uh, they rescued him. It was a friend of mine who was actually uh, the one who got to ride the basket up out of the, um, out of the, of the falls as they lifted, lifted him to safety. But the picture, which I'll describe for you because you can't see it right now, um, it's, uh, the picture is just of this, this rope hanging with a basket and this guy holding on to him, hanging over top of Niagara Falls. Well, all the people on the Bay in the Mist, you know, the rubberneckers are all like at their video cameras, right? Like uh, getting this for, for TV. So this, just this simple idea of just hanging out over top of Niagara Falls. And a lot of us, it's the idea of what we think salvation means to us. This is how we think of this life with Jesus that we have. We've been rescued from hell, but we're just barely hanging on. You know, thank God that's what you did. You know, and our new life in Christ is the basket. It's two feet. Yeah, the basket. Two feet by six feet. That's where we survive. We're so thankful for Jesus who came down, reached us, saved us, and now this is our new life. We got these rules and regulations that make us a little basket that this is where I, this is where I live now. You know, I go to church. I'm a really good person. I try not to steal and swear because Jesus saved me. He doesn't like that. You know, it makes baby Jesus cry, so I'm not doing that kind of stuff. And, and this is my basket. And if I take one misstep, boom, I'm right back to hell. And we live in this. And our life with, with this, this idea of salvation is that it's all about just this, this constricted thing. You know, it's all rules. It's all regulations. It's, it's all traditions. It's not life. You know, we live in those limits. And he says, that's not what salvation is. Paul's saying to them, you don't realize the greatest grace of the gift is not that I took you out and saved you out of that spot of going to hell. There's something more than that. For others, it's this thought of they're on the edge they're on the edge of something, and they keep looking back. So it's, it's just, um, I want to show you the picture of the desert up here for a minute. I want to give you kind of a, a picture of who, who you might be if you're the one who's, uh, your second view of salvation is this. You got this desert, and, uh, you know, you, you're, uh, you're saved. You know, you're, you've, been, you've been rescued out, and you feel like you're on the edge here, and you're just looking at the desert of, you know, that's my old life. You know, I'm looking at it, and it's like, man... That looks pretty crappy. I'm glad to be saved from that. And you know, and as you do your walk with Jesus Christ, you're doing it like this. You're kind of looking back at it. And you're like, yeah, okay, you know, thank God he saved me from hell. I'm glad I'm not going there. You know, save me from addictions. I'm glad I'm not, I'm not in that anymore. You know, you, you keep walking like this. Well, how many of you know that you walk looking backwards, you're going to fall? You know, how many of you know you, you, you know you drive looking backwards, you're going to end up in the ditch? If you live your Christian life continually looking back at what was, guess what happens? Here's the danger in it. You were never meant to walk this life looking backwards. I saw a wedding photographer do that once. You know, the bride and groom were coming down. You can see it on Google or YouTube, whatever. He's snapping pictures like this, walking backwards till he falls into a fountain with all of his cameras and everything else. The video man, love those video man, got it all on camera. Lot's wife, if you're a believer and Christian, you know the story, you know, she was walking. Uh, they had left the, the, the bondage behind them, left their old life, and as they're walking to a new life, she turns her back and turns into a pillar of salt. Uh, there's some of, you know, I heard the story of a woman who was driving, and she looked back and turned into a telephone pole. So, um, but Jesus said, to, um, Jesus said to the people in his day, in Luke chapter 9, he says, hey, you know what, he who puts his hand to the plow, who's going to follow Christ and looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom, Why? 
the focusing back on that thing that you've been trying to get away is what the enemy's greatest tool. Because you know what happens? The farther, can you put that back up there again, the desert? The farther you get away from your old life and you look back at it, guess what? It doesn't look so bad anymore. From back here, you look like, man, if you're always looking back, you're like, oh, that's what I gave up, man. I used to party and I used to have so much fun. This church thing, Christian thing, ah, God, it just isn't that much, it's not that much fun. You know, there's some shade back there. Look at that. There's a little spot, you know. There's some good stuff back there. And, and it's this idea that the enemy begins to lie to you and be like, you know what? It, it, it was, you know, this whole thing that you're doing with Christ, it's not, it's, not as, it's not as what it was cracked up to be. You know, you're saved from hell, but look at all the fun you're missing out on. And you begin to believe it. You know why? Because stuff from far away looks way better than it really is. I talk about relationships, but that's probably off limits. So I'll talk about other things. Like, you know, we went, um, Beth and I went to the Europe uh, a couple, eight years ago, and we, we saw this um, online. We knew we were going to stay in Paris, the uh, city of love. And I was like, man, what a great, great opportunity. So I booked a hotel there on, um, on, uh, online. I saw it was a beautiful room, looked great. So we get to Paris, and then we're driving to it. And Beth's like, are you sure this is the right way? And as we're driving, all the houses on the sides of this street are boarded up. And, and we're driving down, like, I, you know, if there was tumbleweeds, they were there. Uh, we get to this little hotel, and we realize, I was like, man, you know what? I was like, it was cheap. I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is like the price is just, you can't beat this price. So I booked it for two nights, uh, being Dutch and all. So we get there, and then we get in, I realized that was the hourly price. And I was like, oh, yeah. So, so we get in. And there's bars on the windows. You're tracking with me now, right? So we look in there. I'm like looking at the bathroom, and it looked like it was this great spot. But you actually had to stand over the toilet to have a shower. And uh, the whole bathroom was the shower. And, and then I looked at the, at the bed, and I was like, oh, those, that, that looks terrible. Like, the, the, I don't even want to touch anything in this room. And, and, and I was like, oh, I started crying. And Beth is like, she's like, listen, we're just sleeping here. You know, it's no problem. We took the towels we took from home, spread them out over, didn't touch nothing in that. The room, she's like, we're just sleeping here. We'll hang out in Paris. But I was like, man, it just looked so much better till I got there. Same thing for us. Same thing for us. You think like there's things and you're like, oh, that party, that lifestyle was just so great. I miss it. Why? Because you're living your life with Christ thinking, you know, I'm saved from hell, but I still want it. The, The children of Israel did the same thing. God rescued them out of Egypt where they were slaves, where they were starving, where they were working for free, where everything was terrible. He rescues them. Do you realize that six weeks after they left Egypt, they're sitting out in a desert going, God, you rescued us from that, but this life sucks. I think we're all going to starve. And they sit around and they start grumbling like, you know what? In Exodus 16, it just says that they said to, you know, at least back in Egypt, at least we had um, our um, bowls full of stew. You know, we should go back there. I'm like, do you remember what you came from? Oh, but the stew was good. Then they get to right where God promised them something, right? He promised them a promised land. And then when they got right to the edge of it, they're like, oh, those guys are giants. We can't take them. Let's get a new leader and go back to Egypt. Why? God had promised them something, but there was still a battle that had to happen. They still had to fight to get it. So this morning, when we talk about the thing of just right now, what Jesus has promised you, there's a fight to get it. There's a fight to believe for it because too many of us, we look back and think, oh, you know what? That, it, it wasn't so bad back there. Or as we look back at what God has set us free from, the farther away we get from it, you know, the, there's this, this thing, this attraction that wants to draw you back because I'm not having a whole lot of fun as a Christian. Jesus is saying to the Ephesian church this, I didn't save you from hell. I didn't even save you from yourself. That's not why I did what I did. He says, I came to save you to something. 
I didn't take you out of this, and that was the greatest miracle. That I saved you from hell, and I took you out of all the stuff you were uh, trapped in. That, that's not the miracle. The miracle is what I'm bringing you into, the life that you can have in Christ. He says, in Christ, you're blessed. In Christ, you're forgiven. In Christ, you wake up every day going, I'm loved. I don't even have to put makeup on. You know what? I'm already loved. We appreciate that you do, but you don't have to. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm forgiven. I'm free. I don't have any baggage from yesterday that I got to make up for today. Why? Because Jesus did it. I can live that life. I'm so loved that I can just share love with my spouse, even though they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. It's all right. It doesn't depend on that. I'm worth something on the inside, so what I look like on the outside doesn't really, doesn't really matter. And guess what? When you start believing stuff on the inside, it changes the outside. You're like, I'll lose weight? Not necessarily, but you'll smile more. And guess what? Smiling? My favorite, right? I'll even like you more. There's, it's, it's because something changes on the inside. You become attractive to people. Why? Because you realize who you really are. And that's every single one of you. But if you live with this belief that you're not worthy, that you don't deserve relationship, that you don't deserve love, that no one could love you, guess what? It's never going to happen in your life. Not because God doesn't want it, because you won't let it. So what you believe matters. And he says this. That's why I believe he says so emphatically is this is what I've saved you to. We've got a picture here of, of, what, of what, more so of what it looks like. Um, that Again, same picture. Oh, there it is. This idea, yeah. La, 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 You're like, this is what I've saved you to. I didn't save you so you can just look back at the desert. You're on the edge of the desert and this. Which way are you looking? He says life in Christ is amazing. There's, this, there's so much in Christ that you just, why look back? There's nothing there. Just the fact that you can have him, have the relationship with him, that he is limitless that he can do incredible things in and through your life, that he wants to do life with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to live life with you. This is this idea of, uh, of having freedom. It looks like this, that there's just no end. You're like, Mark, no one told me Christianity looks like a Hawaiian island. I would have signed up a long time ago. Does this now mean that my life is not going to have any bad stuff happen in it? Thank you, God, that I'm in Christ. In Christ means there's no, no bad stuff. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's going to be some real rough stuff. And you're like, yeah, I'm in it. Good. But the Bible's just saying you've got to fight a good fight of faith. Paul said it to Timothy. Listen, Tim. He says, you're going to face some stuff, but keep fighting the good fight of what? Faith. What's faith? Believing. Keep fighting to believe. That that's the number one thing that the enemy's going to challenge in your life is to change what you believe. The Israelites had a promised land that they had to go and fight to get. God's given you promises in his word, but you don't know them. You, you hear about them on Sundays. Oh, God wants to heal. God wants to do this. But you don't know them. You haven't found them yourself. The, the, the thing is that you put the word in, in there, so all of a sudden you begin to believe. You know what? God wants this, not just for them. God wants this for me. That as you start going, it changes everything. Barry shared a couple uh, last week just about playing baseball. He's out playing baseball, and, uh, and as the guys were hitting the ball, it was like 50-50 whether he was going to catch it. He wasn't quite sure uh, every time. But then all of a sudden there was that one day where the guy hit something so hard and it was going for the fence and Barry's running like crazy. He sees, he barely sees, he doesn't even see the ball. He just knows it's going far. He reaches out his glove and as he looks, boom, catches it. All of a sudden he said, everything changed for me. He's like, I realized that this glove can catch a ball. He's like, now, it was like, it's on. Every ball that's hit, I can probably catch it. If I can just get this glove to touch it, it'll, it'll catch it. He says the whole game changed. Why? He got a confidence in, in what he, who he was. I'm a baseball player. They got a confidence. Guess what? Your game of life changes when you get a confidence on the inside of who you are in Christ. 
My encouragement this morning is that you would just say, oh yeah, I want that. Because what does it take? It takes beginning to fight. How do you fight? This is how you fight. You begin to go through and say, okay, God, I'm going to read Ephesians like you wrote it to me. I'm going to start reading this. I'm just going to believe what you say is true. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Okay, God, what does that mean? What are the spiritual blessings that you have for me? And you start going down. You start reading. And you start seeing, man, I'm already free. Guess what? It works because it worked in my life. Set me free. Simply just by believing what Jesus said to be true. And I want to finish with this thought. John chapter 10, verse 10, that, that Jesus said this. He says, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life abundantly. Are you living life abundantly? Beth and I sat down the other day and just looked at our lives and said, you know what? God has been incredibly good. Does he like me more than you? No, but there's things that I've believed all along the way that I've saw. You know, I believe, God, what you said about dating, I believe what you say is more true than what they say. This idea of, you know what? We're gonna do this thing right. You know, and, and our marriage isn't affected by all the stuff that I see so many. You know, as we started realizing that love, it, it, what love really looks like in his word, it's patient, it's kind. It's not self-seeking. It's not jealous. It's not rude. It doesn't behave improperly. It's this idea of treating one another, living that out, letting that love burn hot. All of a sudden, we see the benefits in our marriage. Just seeing those kind of things and realize, man, we've got something so great. Why? Because we believe what he said was true. And we start seeing the fruit of it. And you can as well, young people. You can. But it says this. There's an enemy too. (laughs) He's coming to kill you, coming to steal, coming to destroy. You know, this particular verse isn't talking about the devil. It's talking about false teachers, teachers who are motivated by the devil. There's other verses in the Bible that talk about the same, same idea that in 1 Peter 5a says he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil's not allowed to just affect and wreck and ruin your life. He's not. I mean, you are. <laughs> you know, sometimes we do stuff and we pay the consequences, but the enemy's not, not allowed to. The thing I want to leave you with this is you can't kill something that's not alive. So the very fact that the devil's come or the enemies come to kill you means that you're alive. Ephesians, we saw that he took you out of sin and dar- darkness and death where you were in. He's made you alive in Christ. You're alive in him since, since uh, uh, you've decided to follow Jesus Christ. You're spiritually alive. He says he's going to try and steal from you. Well, you can't steal from somebody who's got nothing. You know, you remember in college with your friends, you know, and they, they you go to their apartment, they got like a banana box for a table and a futon is their couch, bed, dining table and everything and that's all they have you know, it, it's like you, uh, you wreck their house, it's an improvement this, there's, this is not what he's talking about, he's like you can't steal from people who don't have anything because what is he trying to do Jesus says you already have it all he just wants to steal that from you what can he steal, he'll steal your freedom just by challenging what you believe did God really say, ever hear that before started with that with Eve and he'll do it with you. Did God really say that you're free? Did God really say that you're loved? Do you really believe that God can heal today? Do you really believe that there's freedom for you? Do you really believe that you're accepted? Do you really believe that you're forgiven? Do you really believe that you're important? Do you really believe that you matter? Do you really believe that you're loved? So many of us live without really believing any of that. What's happening? He's just stealing from you. He's trying to destroy you. You don't destroy stuff that doesn't have any value. This word destroy means render useless. So it had to be useful to be rendered useless. He's saying you already are. When we were down on the cruise, 
We stopped at a beach in the Bahamas. It was sweet. I know you're jealous. It was awesome. So we, uh, my sister-in-law, she's an artist. So we got her a whole bunch of sand. She began making this, uh, this alligator. It's about six feet long, coming out of the sand and had a kid's arm in its mouth. It was just awesome. Uh, and so these kids came and we built this wall around it so that that, that was my addition to it. But there was all this other stuff there, that, that, this wall to make sure the kids wouldn't, uh, just be people who come and see it. Well, these little kids from the Bahamas came up there and they decided they were going to try and jump on it. I'm like, there's a little castle that looks like nothing over there that you guys can go and jump on and destroy. There's all kinds of sand on the beach. But no, they want to vandalize what is the coolest thing on the beach. They just want to destroy the alligator. Why? Because it's valuable, because it's special, because it's something unique. So I like, told those two kids, like, listen, you, I'll give you each a dollar, these two, the, two the, the, the hellions. I was like, I'll give you each a dollar. You guys are my security guards. You just protect this thing for the whole day and let no one else, none of your other friends touch it. I'll pay you a dollar at the end of the day. They did. No problem. Whole day. Made sure. Why? Because they, you know, there's this idea of this thought of destroying something that matters. Guess what? If the enemy's out to destroy your life, you matter. All that's proof. The stuff you're going through is just proof that, it, that what he's done is already true. I want to encourage you to fight the good fight of faith. The same way that you just believed God for salvation and you're saved, believe, believe God, but get into the word to get it. That's where it is. Um, just a whole lot more to it. There is a whole lot more. Would you join me in this idea of not getting into Ephesians, but would you join me in the thought of getting Ephesians into you? I would encourage you just to, this week, what do I do? Read through chapter one and two. It's one letter. Just read through it. If you can do the whole thing, do the whole thing. You can do it every day, do it every day. Allow it to just go in there and watch what happens. All of a sudden, God will light those things up in you. I can't decide what he's going to light up in you. I just want to set the table for all of it and say, here, go pick something and start eating. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. <laughs> Thank you that it's so much more than just a book, that it's living, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's going right into our hearts and showing us, showing us what we really believe and what we don't. Holy Spirit, I ask this morning that you would cause this word to be sown deep into open and healthy hearts in this place. There's things that are going to try and choke it out or steal it right after this. God, I pray you give these people courage and strength to hold on, to believe with you until they see. Thank you for this amazing group of people that you call family. Thank you for making me a part of this family. God, I love you. Thank you for the chance to live for you. May we be a light that shines bright for you. May people see you in and through us this week. Pray your blessing and your, your love and your, your joy and your peace in the homes of each person here this week. Uh, may they just be able to live the life that you uh, have called them to. May their eyes be open to see how amazing it is. God, it's in your name we pray these things. Amen.